This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hello and welcome to Little Gold Men, the awards season podcast from Vanity Fair and Panoply. I'm Richard Lawson, Vanity Fair's film critic, filling in for our usual host, Katie Rich, but she's on vacation. But I am joined uh, by Mike Hogan, our digital director. Hey, Richard. And Joanna Robinson, our senior writer. Hi, Richard. Uh, So it's kind of, we're in these weird dog days of August where like not a whole lot is happening. You know, we were able to talk about Detroit, which is sort of Oscar-y last week, but now we really have to kind of wait until... The film festivals get rolling in Venice and yeah. Telluride, but It'll be long. You know, it's, it's a soon. month away. I mean, it's really crazy soon. And actually. what is that schedule? It's like is it Telluride first, then Venice and Toronto are concurrent? No, Venice starts because Venice is really long. So that starts, and then oh, a couple days later, Telluride starts, and okay. then Toronto happens, and Venice overlaps with Toronto a little bit. So okay. some people do this crazy. They're like, I think American Airlines runs a Venice to Toronto like flight during that. So people like do that crazy thing. And, oh, right. Because yeah. don't people people go from Venice to Toronto and then if they win something, they got to go back to Venice to, to so. accept. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, that's fine. It's, that's a good I mean, reason to have, oh, to have, I have to go back to yeah. Italy. Oh, what a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> my, whatever yeah. they call them. But there is something kind of in the news that, that's ten, at least tangentially related to us. Speaking of nightmares, which is this HBO hack that the sort of news about is unfolding. Joanna, you seem you're pretty plugged in with the, the HBO world, especially in terms of Game of Thrones, uh, which this hack might affect. Can you just explain sort of just a general overview of what happened? Yeah, we have a couple great pieces about it on VF.com by my colleague Laura Bradley. But actually, Mike and I have like a slight insider perspective in that, you know, the HBO, one, you know, the biggest network on te- not cable network on television was hacked over the weekend. Certain things were leaked specifically, most pertinently, the script for season seven, episode four of Game of Thrones, biggest show in the world. And Mike and I actually got emails about it over the weekend from allegedly from the hacker himself or herself. Uh, And Mike was like, I'm scared to click on any of this in case it's a virus. I was like, me too. Yeah, I forwarded you. I was like, don't click on this. But but like, did you get it? And do you know what it is? Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, it's mildly alarming. I guess probably they got our emails from some list inside HBO, uh, presumably. Yeah. That they a hacked. Bunch, a bunch of, journal- <laughs> a bunch of journalists got this email. We're not like super special, but I, no. I was kind of like alarmed by it. I actually got an, a warning email. I don't know if you got that one too, Mike, but like, I think a couple days before the hack, I got an email saying like, stay tuned, biggest hack in the world coming. And I thought it was just junk mail and deleted it. Um, but I sent it to a friend of mine. He found out that the video files attached to the hack were not what they claimed to be, which was Game of Thrones episodes. So we just, I dismissed the the email on Sunday as being a fake. 
But uh, HBO confirmed by Monday that this was real, that they had been hacked, uh, reportedly seven times larger than the Sony hack. And um, yeah, one you know, and a which, half which terabytes. Is, which yeah, one and a half that's terabytes. That's a lot of stuff. It's so much stuff, which is why a lot of people think that there are video files attached, that they might have the rest of the season of Game of Thrones or something like that. Yesterday, a lot of people were wondering if we might see some internal emails from HBO a la the Sony hack. I mean, I think I think once you bring up the Sony hack, you have to think about the personal embarrassment that went along with it for some of the players just because of the, you know, their personal correspondence was leaked. So I think there was that concern. Richard Plepler from HBO, HBO CEO said he does not believe their email system has been breached, but given the amount, sheer volume of data, there is a concern that there are episodes out there that could be released. And I think what Plepler said was most concerning is that there hasn't been any kind of ransom. We've seen a lot of hacks Disney was hacked. I think they, like a hacker claimed to have the latest Pirates of the Caribbean film. Netflix was hacked, and they, re- you know, the hackers released a whole season of Orange Is the New Black. But in those cases, those properties are being held like hostage for ransom, and the companies refuse to pay. In this case, HBO claims it has not been, you know, contacted at all by anyone who wants something, so they don't know why they did this. Well, the other thing that, that Sony makes you think about is, you know, a foreign government, a foreign agency, right? right? Like, yeah. what do these people want? And it's funny. I'm just looking now at the email. It was from HBO at WPPROD.IT.SOAS.AC.UK, in case you're wondering why I was afraid to open the link. I don't know how <laughs> they got an email address for my personal website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I didn't give them permission. And also, it was from hacked at HBO.com. Thank oh, you. I don't right. know how they... Maybe they created that with all their p- new passwords. And it says, hi to all mankind. The greatest leak of cyberspace era is happening. What's its name? Oh, I forgot to tell. It's HBO and Game of Thrones. You are lucky to be the first pioneers to witness and download the leak. Enjoy it and spread the words. Uh, And then at the end, it says HBO is falling. This almost reads like a Trump tweet. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's Mike Flynn's new. I'm I'm kidding. Don't sue us, Mike Flynn. That's a joke. I don't think Mike Flynn did this. Um, But uh, yeah, it's weird. The tone of the email, though, is a little almost like altruistic in a way it's like hey like yay like free game of thrones for everyone right or is that the motivation are we thinking or or is there like a sinister intent behind it i can't really tell like why someone would want to hack hbo well by the way the other line i left out is whoever spreads well we will have an interview with him now this person is a little bit of a gender specificist Mm -hmm. in a way that i find irritating (laughs) but um it, it does, yeah, it seems more kind of like, hey, everybody, look what I did, rather right. than like, you know, that crazy Sony scream that was like flashing <laughs> devil horns or whatever yeah. it was. HBO is Falling is um is like the the best sequel to London is Falling that I could possibly <laughs> hope for. Um, the, I, I was looking at, you know, I was trying to figure it out. Mike and I were trying to figure it out on Sunday without like infecting our computers. And there was a name attached to it, which is actually the name of a HBO executive. It's not actually him, but this is like the this code name that the person was using. And so I did find a Twitter account that was just tweeting like HBO is falling and screenshots of like root menus and all this sort of stuff like that. And then that was just quickly yanked away. But I, I mean, I don't know what, what was disturbing to me is when I was trying to figure it out, I was playing internet detective. I typed HBO and leak like just into Twitter to see if people were tweeting about it. Like if this was a common, like everyone knew about it already and they didn't, but there were all these requests from 
crazy Game of Thrones fans being like, I hope someone hacks HBO so they can leak the episodes. Like that, that was a sentiment I saw over and over ah. and over again as I was scrolling through Twitter. And so I was like, Jesus, guys, well, I guess you got what you wanted, but like, okay, I don't know. Um, I mean, that's what is so inspiring about the internet today is there's a there's something for everyone. There's all the people who <laughs> yeah. want to murder us every time we inadvertently quasi-spoil something. But and also, there are the people who are like literally just begging for leaks yeah. the way that yeah. Trump begged uh, Russia to, to leak and release all of Hillary's emails. Uh, there you go. Um, yeah, and my I guess my sort of question about this going forward is like what does hbo do now because a couple years ago i think it was season correct me if i'm wrong but it was season four joanna when uh hard copy screeners of game of thrones episodes were were pirated right um i think it was five five okay so it was a number of episodes and then that caused hbo to say okay we're not sending any hard copy screeners of anything anymore everything is going to go on the press screening site uh, and which has happened, and it seems like they avoided piracy from that. But now this is happening, and the the press screening site is down as you know yeah. uh, this week, and so it means that people can't watch shows like The Deuce, like I've been trying to watch, so I can write about it. You know, so all that's getting delayed. But like, I wonder if HBO now, with you know, especially with this fi- the final run of episodes coming possibly next year, when you know attention is going to be really high on the show, like, is there any way to protect it? I don't know. I mean, I guess if people are going to try to seek it out, they're going to you know, they're going to figure it out. Well, somehow. One thing that occurred to me is I'm not even sure that the last episodes would be done by now. Like they may still be finishing the special effects. Like yeah, because so. that stuff, you know, they that can come up to the wire. I mean, sometimes yeah. um, movies or, or you know PR companies for movies or TV uh, networks will send out screeners where not everything's finished, and mm-hmm. you know they'll, you know they'll, they'll say just for review, not a final version, you know mm-hmm. whatever. So that stuff takes a while, and yeah. Uh, so people were getting an incomplete version of their favorite show. What's interesting to me, you know, when when I wanted to talk about this, I sort of thought about like what, how can I justify talking about this on a on award show podcast? And then I was trying to think of like, did the Sony hack damage Sony's I don't know public reputation to a degree that it hindered various projects? And I, you know, uh, we can't say for certain. You know, we can't like say what did and didn't affect anything. But I know that for a while, as projects came out of Sony, we had these like crazy emails between executives that we could think about in terms of like their awful brainstorming for why this would appeal to the largest number of people and all this sort of stuff. And I think it does kind of destroy some of the magic. And so the only way that I could see this really hurting HBO in terms of Emmys is if we I don't know, see terrible back and forth emails about Westworld or find out about terrible pay gap in some other project. And we're like, yeah, you know what? Fictional. Don't take my, don't take this out of context. Anyone who's listening, like, Oh, turns out Veep is a completely toxic sexist set and like, blah, blah. blah, And I don't, I don't love that show. And I don't want to nominate that show. You know, like that I think is the only way in which, because even if episodes leak, Episodes of Orange is the New Black leaking is not why that that season of television wasn't as highly regarded as previous. And even if the rest of the season of Game of Thrones leaks online, like the videos for some reason, which I don't think it will, the majority of the people are still going to watch it on Sunday nights. Yeah, and it's, I, well, you know, like, I think that's a really good point that what right what what hurts it is. If you see behind the curtain and you end yeah. up being revolted and look, the sausage is always it's always ugly watching the sausage yeah. get made. That's why you have, you know, you used to have privacy. Uh, it'd be interesting to see the chain of e- uh, emails that led to Confederate being greenlit. I don't know. Right. Mildly, mildly <laughs> yeah. intrigued by that. 
That would be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I th- I'm trying to think of the Sony stuff. Like, I, like I feel like Aloha, the the Bradley Cooper Cameron Crowe movie that that did not come off well uh, in those emails. But like that movie was never going to be a hit. So I don't, you know, I'm, I, I don't know what was really effective. I just but. personally don't want anything else to happen that would make the Game of Thrones team take themselves more seriously. Is that wrong for me to say? I know. <laughs> I would just That's love totally to fair. keep steering everybody toward this is a fun fantasy show uh-huh. that's super enjoyable on a Sunday night and not like, you know, the be all and end all of anything and we don't have to all be upset about it all the time. Yeah. Anyway, no, I'd I... love to bring a little fun back to Game of Thrones. Yeah. Putting the game back in Game of Thrones. The game back, thank you. Um yeah, I completely agree. And I I I hope that no emails get leaked and I hope that no files get leaked. I mean, the fact that what's hilarious, I mean, not hilarious, but like the script getting leaked for this week's episode, all that stuff was already online anyway, to be honest with you. It's not, it's actually the reporting of the leak that is making that, that fact more visible. Right. Cause that, that stuff leaked on Reddit months ago. It's just, people don't dive into those dark corners of the internet, you know, bless for good reasons but like you know the fact that every single outlet including ours is reporting on it which we should because it's big news now pings a lot of people's radars that that thing is out there so but i i don't think it's going to hurt game of thrones specifically i, I don't think it's going to hurt the ratings i don't think anything like that's going to happen and um unless we get those email exchanges i don't think it's going to hurt hbo's brand going forward i understand why they're like scrambling over this is so much data who knows who knows what's lurking in there i don't know maybe maybe this will this podcast will be out like every political podcast i listen to this podcast will be out of date by the time it's released and we will have found out that hbo is secretly working for the government to brainwash us all or something like that via dragons who knows who knows is lurking but you know (laughs) i just i I, I just don't want any ballers spoilers i just i don't want that room for me I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months? There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see... Whether I can read the Iliad again, whether I'm that literate, I mean, the jury is out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene. Molto bene. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. You really don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. Wondry's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip-syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Farian and Ingrid Segeith, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. 
Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. So as I mentioned, we're in this kind of quiet August period, but, uh, you know, and traditionally that's when kind of mid-August is when some of the not so stellar uh, movies get released. Uh, and we have two out this week, actually. One is The Dark Tower, which uh, is based on a number of Stephen King novels starring Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey that was really high profile when it was being put together because it's a beloved IP and, you know, it has this potential to be this kind of saga of many movies or whatever. And is not. I mean, it's it's been chopped to about 90 minutes. It's you know, coming out in the middle of August. So it's, it's, it's kind of a dud for a recent Oscar winner uh, in McConaughey. And similarly, we have uh, Halle Berry in a thriller that was filmed back in 2014 called Kidnap, where it's just kind of her in a car chasing another car that has taken her child. That's real low budge and real bad. And, uh, you know, so I was thinking that with these two, you know, Academy anointed, uh, you know, actors, uh, movie stars uh, who are somewhat languishing a li- uh, right now, that we could talk about like maybe comebacks from Oscar winners that we'd like to see happen. You know, Halle Berry has a movie from the director of, of Mustang, a really well-regarded movie from two years ago, a Denise Gamza Ergoven that's about the LA riots. It's her and Daniel Craig, and that's going to be a TIFF. So that could be one for her. And maybe McConaughey has one too. Joanna, do you have any particular like recent ish Oscar winner who you are kind of rooting for to find their way again? I had a couple ideas in mind. Excuse me, I must have closed a tab. Sorry. Excuse me, stalling while I open it back up. Where did it go? Um, I guess, well, okay. First, first I want to start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. This is my favorite one. <clears throat> I was I was looking through the the Oscar winning actors and actresses and who I would like, you know, a lot of them are doing, are doing very well. So, you know, I don't have to worry about them. But one that I thought would be really fun to have a, a comeback is George Shakiris, who is in West Side Story, who played Bernardo. And, oh. like, right right now he's making – what he does for a living is he makes silver jewelry. And he sells it through his website, which I believe is georgeshakiris.com. And – um but watching the Twin Peaks revival on Showtime and watching uh, Richard Boehmer, who was also in West Side Story, like continue and and uh, Russ Tamblin, of course, who was in West Side Story and watching Rita Moreno on One Day at a Time. I'm like, OK, time for Bernardo to have his comeback as well. So that's that, that was my first. That's a, idea. That's, that's great. I love that. <laughs> what about you, Mike? I want to uh, I have two things. First of all, I recently watched somewhat coincidentally three different uh holly hunter movies oh and i know that she's like doing stuff she's got a show coming out and everything but so maybe i'm just rooting for the comeback to succeed and maybe she's not you know she's done she was in the incredibles at voice thing and all that like but i feel like she's not you know i'd like to see her have like a full-on john travolta in pulp fiction absolutely she's like a movie star yeah 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 yeah. like um because she's so awesome and She's great. can do anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I really want to see Holly, more Holly. I feel like, it, you know, people were justifiably buzzing about her in The Big Sick, a movie that came yes. out in June. Yeah. And I feel like for whatever reason that didn't quite hit 
the way at least for her it didn't the yeah. way that some were hoping kind of the yeah. way like Molly Shannon in um, other people last mm-hmm. year well she didn't end up winning an independent spirit award but you know there was like Oscar-y kind of whispering and that you know I th- maybe it, w- it was premature because it's a summer movie but but yeah I agree with you Mike that like watching her in that movie and even in like Batman vs Superman you're like oh right like she's right. the best and yeah so yeah right she's yeah. not like she's like down for the counter or no. anything but I want I want but, to see her have like a Michael Keaton type you know nice back yeah yes. uh, the other one that I'd like to see I want to see Kim Basinger pull a Jessica Lange oh. in like a Ryan Murphy I, you know let's let's find a great role for Kim Basinger I that, Something- that is my um that would be I mean plan. somewhere in LA Ryan Murphy just like had like a like a, a, a vaporous <laughs> moment he was like what why have I not they need to done talk this? he yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I'm similarly rooting for something with like f- I mean notoriously difficult Faye Dunaway you know uh mm-hmm. she 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 deserves maybe one at least last kind of hurrah i i don't know why we're, we're you know we're solely relying on ryan murphy but that i i was like, I was like you <laughs> know like he's our best but like he's here. good at that like he, the actresses yeah yeah you know because uh and, and i it, when, when thinking about this my tendency has been to, to say oh well they should have a tv show you know because increasingly that feels like where that kind you know Older actors can get good roles, especially act, you know, female actors, you know. So that would be interesting. I, I'm just looking at the, you know, best actress winners of the past, you know, few decades, and like, I know that this is a self-imposed, um, not semi-retirement, I guess you could call it. But I rewatched Shakespeare in Love recently, just because I was sort of pining for that movie, and like, I really like Gwyneth Paltrow as an actress, and like, yeah. I wish that she would, you know, she pops up mm-hmm. in Iron Man, she does Mordecai, she's done stuff, but it's not been very compelling. I guess she has a TV show coming out, but I would just love to see her in some big kind of, you know, old-fashioned awards baity prestige period piece or something like that, because um, she's so great in Shakespeare in Love, and. Uh, Really, after that movie, only did a few things that were sort of on that par and then sort of went away. I, I hear you, and you have the right dismissive tone when you're like, she pops up in Iron Man or whatever. But I will say, when I was watching Spider-Man this summer, and she's, spoiler alert, in it for like a minute, and it, she's just so good. She And the she's same thing is in, in The Avengers. She's great in that she, role. She really she's is. so good. She shows mm-hmm. up for like a minute, two minutes, and I'm just like, oh, I want more of that, actually. Please come back. Like, you're so good. I'm enjoying this movie, but I would like it even more if there were more Pepper Potts. So I know it's silly, but yeah, she's really good in that role. But a couple others that are that are a little weird, which is like, I was looking at the screenwriters, actually, because I know we we're talking about actors, but sure. um, I was like, does William Goldman have another really good screenplay in him? Um, I I would like to find out. William Goldman, who famously did like All the President's Men and Misery and wrote The Princess Bride and all sorts of stuff yeah. and was, mm-hmm. you know, had had a few rough years, but is still alive and could have like something amazing in him. And the other one is Should have gave him um, the Dark Tower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <and> maybe. <laughs> okay. um, and then uh, the other one was Diablo Cody, who I know wrote Ricky and the Flash. And I know sort of some some people think that like her Oscar for Juno was sort of silly and premature, like assessing her as a genius prematurely or something like that. But I would like to see a sort of more mellow Diablo Cody, maybe not right now, but in like 10 years, come back with something really, really good. She's working. She's not like not working. Yeah, but, she has um, another Jason Reitman movie coming out called Tully with Charlie Theron. Right. Um, and let's not forget, she uh, is writing or has written the book for the Alanis Morissette Jagged Little Pill musical. 
So, Delightful. Well, here's one that's actually supposedly going to happen, which is Jack Nicholson doing the Tony Erdman remake. That's right. With Kristen yeah. Wiig. Oh, yeah, yeah that could be good. I really want at least one more great Jack Nicholson performance, please. Because yeah, I'm not, I know. I'm not satisfied. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because remember when like Gene Hackman re- ended up retiring from acting, and you were like, yeah. "Wait, his last movie was like Welcome to Mooseport," and you're like, right. "You're like he deserved like one la- like Sean Connery's last movie being um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen." You know? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it would be nice for Nicholson to like. I mean, I don't think he went out on a bad note or anything, but like to have one last kind of at least one. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I mean, he's... and Tony Urban could be that. It could be because that's know? a great character. I mean, I, character. I found that movie to be weird as well as wonderful. But like, uh, yeah. anyway, yes. yeah, I, I doubt that the American version would be close to three hours long. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. like the way the, the way <laughs> that I like weird. Go. I mean, weird is not yeah. a, an inherently an insult for me. I just there was I couldn't deal with that scene where the daughter throws a naked party. I'm sorry. Yeah, that it's, was seen as miserable. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Funny that you mentioned um, Ryan Murphy though as like this, the potential savior here because as I was going through, I kept thinking about David Lynch, like Naomi Watts, who's like not yes. you know she's got a Netflix show and stuff like that, but she's killing it on Twin Peaks right now. So like you know if Lynch wants to do more Twin Peaks, I am here for it. And if he wants to just cast a whole bunch of Oscar winners that we haven't seen in a little while, Jean Dujardin in the world of Twin Peaks, I would watch it. I yeah. really would. So but Lynch, you know Lynch, I feel like. He can be a resurrector, but also Naomi Watts, you think it, she's been part of his, like, um, group St- for, stable. forever, yeah. right? Oh, I mean, wow, he kind of broke Naomi yeah, Watts, sure, didn't he? Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, I, th- I always think of Tarantino as the guy who can dust somebody off better than anybody. And uh-huh. how about how about Roberto Benigni in, uh, in a Quentin Tarantino, you know? <laughs> in, in the Charles Manson <laughs> oh <my God>. movie. <laughs> oh, my God. He'll play the knife. What about, yeah. what about Roberto <laughs> Benigni and Jean Dujardin as Fumbling Interpol agents. I like the Charles Manson murder. <laughs> Perfect. Mm-hmm. Tarantino is a great reviver of 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 actors. Christopher Nolan is, you know, so maybe there's mm-hmm. some, you know, older actor that he could could bring back in that. Eddie Redmayne. Just yeah. kidding. Yeah. That's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's in a movie coming out um, next week. But you know, I, I've never really been quite sold on the Hillary Swank train i think that there she has two oscars and i think that at least one of them should have gone to somebody else but uh you know so she's in logan lucky the new the new soderbergh movie for a little bit really good in it like her that her it's a small role it's a small role um she's fine but it does make me curious about like she was in a movie called um the homesman that was at Cannes. i think it was the first movie i I saw at Cannes ever that tommy lee jones directed um and co-starred in and she's really good in it and you're like oh when she has the right material and the right director i saw that right role she's good so i'd be i'd be curious to see something for her she was supposed to star in a show that alejandro inuritu uh directed um that was going to be on showtime or stars um, that I think one the pilot episode was filmed and then it, ne- it kind of kept getting pushed and pushed and pushed and then never happened. So it, I feel like Swank might be victim uh, like like other actors of she was working and had projects you know happening, but then be- just as fate would have it, things fell apart, and so it seems like she's just been kind of out and you know down and out for however. And long. is her part too small in Logan Lucky for that to be like a comeback thing? Yeah, is that like Winona it's, in the uh, prequel or whatever? Yeah, I mean it's um she's in maybe four or five scenes so okay. and toward the end of the movie so and there are other like much flashier performances in that movie you know with between Channing Tatum and Adam Driver and whoever else and and Riley Keough the great Riley Keough but yeah <laughs> you know I don't know she would be an interesting case to see and um, you know this is a kind of a classic but like Mira Servino 
Like she's yeah. a good actress. Where's she been? You know, um, she's kind of the most famous example that people, you know, use when they're pointing to the sort of supposed, you know, supporting actress curse. Um, you know, that it well, can... and Marissa Tomei is like, I'm doing Spider-Man's two movies as well. So I'm fine. Um, yeah. The, is it, is Marissa Tomei doing what you want Marissa Tomei to be doing? No, I don't she's, know. No, she... I mean, I want her doing so much more. Um, yeah. You know, and the thing about Marissa Tomei and her sort of supposedly cursed Oscar win is that she got nominated twice after that. So that's like a, f- and, and, and kind of separated by a number of years. So that's like a good career. Um, yeah. But no, I, a friend of mine, um, friend of the podcast, uh, who weekly host Bobby Finger and I, uh, have had a long running sort of gestating idea for a Marissa Tomei show or movie or something because I think that she really needs, um, a big, a big showcase. And she gets it once in a while in like smaller indie stuff like Love is Strange or, um, you know, things like that. But, but yeah, I would love a, like a, a, a really solid prestige, big little lies esque thing for Marissa Tomei. Yeah. I mean, big little lies is just kind of, I mean, Nicole, you know, Reese had wild already. So she was already sort of back on the radar in a big way. And Nicole, it, big little lies is only part of like the huge Nicole thing that happened, but it's kind of amazing what that show did for, for these two women. And, you know, Jane Campion, I think is doing similarly, similar stuff with her top of the, you know, she gave Holly Hunter such a great performance top of the lake, Nicole Kidman in the sequel that's upcoming. So yeah, these auteurs working in TV <laughs> might be, might be the way to go for, for anyone who wants to, you know, so um, what I'm saying, Jean Dujardin is please call Jane Campion. <laughs> I, w- I want, and, and then I want Hillary Swank and Marissa Tomei to make a Kelly Reichardt movie. Oh, there you go. Uh, in the Pacific oh, Northwest. Somewhere. Sure. Just yeah. a nice. lot of like rain. Ruminative. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mountains and rain. I think that's Love great. it. Well, hopefully Hollywood is listening and they can, uh, <laughs> you know, take, take heat on and all And we'll this. just take a point on the back end of each of these ideas. <laughs> well, that's how all of this works, right? Yeah. I mean, I get mm-hmm. a cut for my reviews that are good, so... Yeah. Well, that does it for this week's episode of Little Gold Men. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, I believe it's called now, the former iTunes podcast, and rate and review us. It really helps us find new listeners and to, you know, just know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Uh, one reviewer recently complained about our bashing of Trump, which I don't think that's going to stop, but you know, duly noted. Um, but it is nice to know the president's listening. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's always great. They've been very tough on me. I hit them very hard. <laughs> Failing Little Gold Men. <laughs> <laughs> you can follow us at Little Gold Men on Twitter. I'm at Rylaws, Mike. Mike underscore Hogan. Joanna. Joe wrote this. Katie's at Katie Rich. This episode was produced and edited by Jordan Bell. And thanks as ever to Andy Bowers at Panoply. And this week's award for Worst Imagined Outcome of the HBO Hack goes to Mike Hogan. There's something for everyone. Rachel Martin, you probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR.